I've been assigned to preach from uh, Romans 15, verse 22 to 33, and this uh, is the final section, uh, the epilogue. And as uh, last sermon you heard till 21, and a kind of I'll just rewind what brother preached last time. He reminded you about Apostle Paul's great work in the uh, Gentile regions uh, from uh, from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, and how Apostle Paul has fully proclaimed the gospel not by his strength but by uh, the power of God and through the power of the gospel and how his ambition was that not to lay on somebody else's uh, foundation but that the unreached people will listen to the gospel, will hear the gospel, this glorious gospel which has saved this persecutor of the church. And how God told when in the book of Damascus, like, I will show him great things. And indeed, Paul experienced how God crushed Paul through all his experience. Uh, for, for years, he was preaching the gospel and he covered all the eastern... Uh, Eastern places from Jerusalem to Lerium, and now he was uh, about to come to south, uh, uh, about to come to the sorry western part, and that is the uh, Rome and Spain. And now Paul is telling that I'm eager. In chapter one, also he reminds him that uh, I'm eager to come to you, but uh, because of some other gospel opportunities, because of some other plans which the Lord has for me, I could not come uh, to you. And maybe this time the Lord will open to me because uh, there is no other place for me in these regions to cover. So now I will come to you. Now, now I'm planning, I'm praying to come to you. I have a burden to come to you. Even though Apostle Paul did not uh, establish his church, even though he had never met them personally, uh, that is the gospel heart that he wants to reach these Gentiles also. And the church at Rome was mixed with Jews and Gentiles. And Paul wanted to reach these Gentiles also as he claims to be the apostles to the Gentiles in chapter 15, verse 16. And uh, that was uh, where brother has left us. And we will continue from verse 22 to 33. Uh, it says, this is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. What is the reason? Uh, he reminds them this, the word this connects back, right? It connects back to the reason. And the reason was uh, he could not come to the church at Rome or Rome to share the gospel and to partner with them and to fellowship with them and share the gospel with them because he had some other gospel opportunities which were equally valuable, which was God's plan in his life. That is the reason why I have often been hindered so it was not the devil's work which hindered him. It was not his personal preferences which hindered him. It was not uh, some other things which hindered the gospel work at Rome, but it was the will of God. That was not the right time for Paul to go there because God was using Paul in this eastern region. And you see how God has marvelously used him in this eastern region from Jerusalem. And then in verse... Uh, uh, 23, he says, but now that there is no more place for me to work in this region, uh, Paul is saying that I have covered all the eastern uh, places, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you. Now Paul is saying, however, now, before I was hindered, but now that there is no more place for me to work in this region. By in this region, he means the uh, Illyrium and uh, Jerusalem, that region. And since I have been longing for many years to visit you, Paul is uh, telling them, I'm longing for many years and I have been hindered, but now there are no, many, no more places for me to uh, work in, in this eastern part. I plan to work 24. I plan to do so when I go to Spain. So Paul is telling uh, the church at Rome, his plan to visit them. Not now, but when he planned to go to Spain. So it is still future. And then he says, I hope to. Spain is also a west side. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. 
so paul was telling the church at corinth uh, church at rome that uh, i will visit you when i go to spain and i will have fellowship with you and when we look in chapter 1 he says that i want to come to you and be mutually edified that is what uh, the gospel is it is mutual edification where we uh, engage with each other and when we share with each other our spiritual gifts so that we both are mutually edified and we edify each other that's the purpose of fellowship that each other are each other are edified in Christ the gospel of Jesus Christ that's what paul says that uh, while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after i have enjoyed your company for a while so he wanted to have fellowship with them he wasn't he wanted to have a gospel bound with them even though he don't know them personally uh, and uh, and if you look that who established the church there are many views i i personally believe some of paul converts went and established the church but no matter what paul did not have direct contact but that's a gospel bound we have one mission uh, we have uh, uh, we have one goal we have one master we have one gospel we have one holy spirit if you if you believe in genuine gospel you can you can worship together wherever you are no matter because we worship the same god we worship we 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 worship the same triune god and that's why paul was saying when i come to you i want to no i want to uh, enjoy your company for a while and after that you can help me for the journey there's not only fellowship in 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 uh, in attitude but also in action he wanted the roman uh, church at rome to help him for the spain trip financially that's what what was desire so gospel work uh is not only about uh a talk but also a walk and that's what he reminded uh he reminded the church of Corinth now however i am on my way to jerusalem in the service of the so paul is saying that that is still future but now right now as i'm writing now however i am on my way to jerusalem in the service of the lord's people there and from here we'll pick up our passage and i have a uh today i want to talk on a topic called uh how does a gospel life look like how does the gospel life look like if you have if you claim to be a christian if you claim that the gospel has changed my life and you, if you are experiencing the power of the gospel day by day how does it look like and uh, and uh, from what can we learn from this uh, from this section of scripture paul paul gives two marks basically two marks one one he gives in verse 26 25 26 and 27 and then he gives in 30 the first mark i want to uh, show you from verse 25 26 27 and 28 is that a gospel driven life is pleased to be a part in the gospel work a gospel driven life is pleased to be a part in the gospel work and the second point i have is from verse 30 till uh, 33 that is a gospel driven life persistently partners in praying for the gospel a gospel driven life persistently partners in praying for the gospel so let us look at these two marks which paul is giving an example uh, what he is giving in this paragraph or in this section of scripture verse 25 now however i i i want to visit you in the future when i go to spain but now however i am on my way i am already on my mission to jerusalem in the service of the lord's people there so paul was not on a social work he was not uh, uh, doing some social he did not go to do some social work in jerusalem he was involved in gospel gospel life and i, I and you could never see the apostles or the early church involving in this social activity because that's not the mission of the church paul says now however i am on my way to jerusalem in the service of the lord's people there so paul wo- paul went to jerusalem to serve that's the word to serve the lord's people there he went to serve the saints there the saints at jerusalem the jews the jews the jewish converts in the in the in the jerusalem now why did he go there the reason is in verse 26 and that's our first point for the reason macedonia and achaia these are two regions these are two regions and these two regions are mainly gentile churches filled with gentile churches the corinth and all that uh 
were were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the lost people in Jerusalem. I've taken my first point from this. The church, that this Gentile church, mainly Gentiles, were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the lost people in Jerusalem. Now, if you have read the book of Acts, chapter. Uh, 17, 18, 19, and 21. You understand that Paul, uh, we understand that Agabus, uh, the prophet, uh, prophesied that there, uh, there is going to be a famine in the, in the land of Jerusalem. And when you read uh, 1 Corinthians 16, Paul is saying, I'm he's saying to the church of Corinth, I'm coming, and please keep the contribution. Uh, every Sunday, you remove the contribution and keep aside so that when I come, you don't need to have it special offering. So he's telling you have to uh, help our brothers in Jerusalem, the poor saints in Jerusalem, saints who are going through hard time because of this famine. And when you go to Second Corinthians 8 and 9, Paul is actually saying, I'm sending Timothy, you please take out. And I have explained to him your earnestness, eagerness to help these uh, poor saints in Jerusalem. So Paul was, uh, Paul already dealt with this issue of uh, uh, contribution and uh, the book of Romans informs us that Paul, is, uh, Paul has actually received the churches, the Greek churches, or the Gentile churches in these places were pleased to make a contribution. They were not forced. Now, why does Paul bring this uh, example in this chapter when he closes? Now, if you look at the book of uh, Romans, here's my point. If you look at book of Romans, it's a, it's a wonderful book. And the reason I did not give a background of this book, because you might be hearing from different preachers background, but I'll just spend two minutes to give the background. It, 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 is a, it is a power pack. It is a doctrinally sound book. It's a heavy book because it's filled with deep doctrinal truth. The first 11 chapters are deep, are so much deep. We, have, we got nature of sin explained in one to three. We got justification in four and five. If we got... Uh, Sanctification from a uh, from six to eight. Then we got uh, nine to eleven. The sovereignty of God. He chooses whom He wants. He loves whom He wants. We got the sovereignty passage from nine to eleven, especially about Israel. And then He does not leave the section with this you no know, brainy thing or doctrinal truth. He connects in chapter twelve. There's for my brethren. So we have heard these eleven chapters of doctrines. So what should we do? Then from 12 to 16, or, or I could say 15, he tells them, because of these things, because of the doctrinal truth, behave in, in a certain way. The people who say that doctrine is not important have no basis for their behavior. Let me tell you one thing. Everybody behaves because they believe something, whether they accept it or not. If you look at... Uh, uh, Adolf Hitler, the reason why he killed the Jewish people was the belief in his mind. He believed that the Aryan tribe, Aryan group of people were the supreme people. That is why he thought that other tribe of people uh, should be killed. That's why he killed. So before he behaved, he believed something in mind. And the Bible never asked us to behave before giving us some belief. So that is why doctrine is very important. And why Paul is urging this uh, church at uh, Rome to in verse chapter 12 to offer their bodies as living sacrifice in chapter 12 9 to 21 he says love should be without hypocrisy love and that one another passages i love that one another passage in this chapter 12 and then in 13 he says obey the government in chapter 12 he says because of these 11 chapters this doctrine what i have already expounded to you you know you have to love the believers in the church and you have to use the Spiritual gifts, that's what chapter 12 says. And when you come to chapter 12, chapter 13, he says that how you ought to behave with the unbeliever, that's what the government is. And chapter 12, uh, chapter 13, verse 8 to the last, he says that how we ought to fulfill the law of love. And when you come to chapter 14, we see how you should not only think about your own, you have liberty, but gospel uh, helps you to limit your liberty for the sake of others. I love this. Uh, chapter 13, chapter 14, uh, chapter 12, uh, where, when he says that, that, if you look at the church at Rome, it was mixed. It was Jews and Gentiles. Uh, and that is why there was no proper bound because of their food style, because of their lifestyle. 
and that is what the gospel does it takes so many people from so many places and it unites and the gospel has done it and paul is saying the gospel has the power to make you into one body it also has the power to you know continually transform you and and it and it, it will help you to adjust it helps you to not only think about yourself but to think about others that is why he says that have mutual concerns for each other you should not say i am a jew i was a jew i am a i am a i am a gentile no you are one in christ now that was your past that identity was your past but our identity is in christ gospel has changed our identity in christ we no longer look each other based on their social status primarily based on what car they come in based on what uh, what the food they eat based on what language they speak gospel changes everything from in and out that's what paul is saying that one another love one another carry one another please one another help one another exhort one another edify one another that is what that one another passages in chapter 13 or uh, 12 13 14 and 15 he says that i am confident and then he quotes four uh, old testament passages the how the gentiles also who were treated treated as you know cast away uh, as somebody who was not part of the covenants of the old testament uh, were promised were prophesied in the old testament that they would be included into the jewish and that is what chapter 11 says that uh, they are the branch they are the grafted in branch they are the artificial branch if you will they are not uh, they are not the olive but they are the wild olive i mean by the grace of god by the gospel the cross broke every barriers and if if we are gospel driven it should break every barrier cross cross broke god ordained uh god ordained distinction jew and gentile this were not people made up this was god made up from old testament from the old testament yeah you can see from the old testament in the gospels the gentiles were not allowed in the commonwealth of israel that is why in matthew chapter 15 we see that syrophoenician woman crying and god telling jesus is telling you 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 are a dog i mean you are a puppy how can i give what belongs to my child but after the cross at the cross when the when the uh, curtain was torn into two everybody can act have access to the god the father through jesus christ he's our high priest he's our prophet and 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 the gospel has done it and the cross has done it and paul is reminding this uh, roman uh, believers that hey listen chapter 13 14 15 is explaining to them love one another edify one another no don't think about your own liberty whether in matter of food or whether in matter of action or anything except one of this one another passages which uh, which we are uh, called to uh, you know fulfill that is why paul gives them an example in chapter 15 of verse 26 and he says that how this jew how the gentile from west uh, from eastern part uh, of macedonia and achaia were pleased why they were pleased because of the gospel love because of the love which the gospel brought in their heart it was not inherent in them it was not in them what can a mortal flesh produce but when your gospel driven that's why it was a gospel driven life is pleased to be a part in the gospel some saints who obeyed the gospel in the jerusalem were suffering because of the famine were were poor and needed some material um, help and paul says that i am on already on my mission now i'm already on my mission now why because macedonia and achaia were pleased the word pleased over here is the same word used when god the father spoke from heaven and uh, and and said to Uh, and shouted that this is my son in whom i am well pleased so the word pleased is that word enjoying voluntary it is it is not an outward force it, no, nobody forced you that's what paul means they were pleased because of the gospel love because of the gospel heart because of the gospel drivenness gospel drove them to make a contribution and some only see in verse 26 the contribution about money but the word contribution is not about amount it is the word koinonia and we all know that word why i love that word because what koinonia is about fellowship communion and when you are gospel filled you will always seek communion with other christians that's what paul is saying and he's given an example of this uh, macedonian and achaia uh, churches even though they were largely you know uh, gentiles 
they were pleased to have fellowship by providing some money, some help, some material help to these Jewish Christians in Jerusalem. And why can't you among your own church have fellowship? That's the point Paul is driving. That's the Paul point is driving. He says, you see an example, I'm already in the service. And these church, these churches have partnered in my ministry. And why can't you? They were pleased. And we have seen in chapter 13, 14, 15, that there was some contention because the Jew and Gentiles were in the same church and there were, uh, there were counterculture sometimes. And, and Paul is saying the gospel pleases you and it will make you to enjoy and, and it drives you to, to break all these barriers down by the grace of God, by the power of the gospel, to have fellowship with other saints, to care for them. And that to care for them by enjoying, not forcefully. The gospel never, never, uh, never or ever helps, uh, you know, makes us to uh, fellowship involuntarily or reluctantly. The gospel produces us in a heart that is always longing to be partner in the gospel, in the communion, in the fellowship. That how can I uh, be a part in the furtherance of the gospel? and gospel work. That's what Paul is driving in verse 26. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased. They were not uh, reluctant. They were, nobody forced them. Uh, nobody, uh, no, uh, nobody uh, uh, enticed them to do this. They were pleased. And this pleasing comes from the gospel. To make a contribution, again the word contribution is not merely about material, money. The same word is used in Galatians 2.9, where Paul is saying we should be partnering in the gospel. And Philippians 1.5, Philippian church, when they've supported money, Paul says, you are partners with me in the gospel. That is what Paul is meaning, the contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. If we claim to be believers, if we claim that the gospel has changed our life, then we should be pleased, like the churches at uh, Macedonia and Achaia, to be a part in the gospel work. Maybe not always contribution for the kingdom of God. Maybe assisting your pastor. Maybe assisting in some job in the church. May, it may take many ways. People always think that the people who go out for preaching are only gospel workers. No. Every believer is called to carry for the gospel because gospel if it is that it has changed your life, it will not it will not keep you the same. Some it will change you from inside out. That is what the power of the gospel is. And throughout this letter, we have seen how the gospel converts the totally depraved people like us who deserve hell, nothing else. And you see, these churches who are wretched sinners like us are pleased to make contributions when they're saints in Jerusalem were in trouble, were going through some hard times. And Paul wants to remind the church at Rome that you, you have this con contention be between you. Like oh, one of you say that, uh, one of you judging each other on food, on based on lifestyle, or based on culture, all these worldly things which is driving you. Listen, here is an example where these people, these churches have are partnering within the gospel. How they are partnering? They cannot uh, come to uh, uh, Jerusalem, but they have contributed. If some churches from the east could send a token of fellowship to the church at west, then why can't you, in your own church, care for one another, carry one another's burden? Edify one another. Do you have mutual concern? Gospel always produces mutual concern. There's a bound which the Spirit gives. There's a bound of love which the Spirit gives. The gospel produces love. Again, this is not inherent in us. Don't get me wrong that I'm saying it is our ability. No, the gospel produces it. The grace of God produces it. If we claim to be uh, gospel people, it will show out because we will be always pleased to be a part in the gospel work. I don't believe in 
a one man army in the gospel no pastor is not alone in gospel work all of us are a, are to be a part of the gospel work in some form we have to take for this gospel which has changed our life at that i don't know what is a spiritual gift but use your spiritual gifts to further the gospel of jesus christ and and if you are doing let me ask you one question and this is a question to me also are we pleased to do it or are we doing it as a duty or is it our delight if we are pleased to do that's what the word says and the gospel of our life is pleased to be a part of the gospel it is pleased and they were pleased to do it and indeed now paul is not only saying that 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 was a delight but again he establishes his point they were pleased to do it and indeed they owed to do to them many christians don't understand this uh, uh don't understand this uh fact that that it is not only choice to be a part of the gospel work it is our duty also because paul says they owed the word owe means somebody who is a debtor somebody who have to pay back somebody who is in a stay uh, that if you don't pay back then he could be held responsible i always uh i always see this distinction uh, that pastor as high priest and then deacon as priest then believers as some no 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 we all are same in christ Uh, we have only one high priest and jesus christ and we have one mission that is to send out the gospel the gospel driven life we have one mission and paul is saying and some people would say no no there are some some christians and there are some genuine followers that is not the ethos of the bible that uh, you you could you could start reading the bible from the uh, book of acts from the uh, and go to go to jude or revelation and and just name one christian who was not part of the local church you, you cannot you will not find when we are part of a local church when we are members of one body there is no member in the body which is then there is no there is no one there is no one member in the body which is not functioning we will function it is our duty we are obligated to be part of the gospel work because uh, no charles spurgeon says that he who does not have any delight in the gospel i think he does not know the gospel if the gospel has changed the uh, when the gospel has changed our life it uh, it will produce in us desire it will produce in us uh, that passion for the gospel work and it is our duty that's what paul says this this even though this uh, this uh, jew is gentile have shared again the word shared over here in verse 27 is not money per se it is fellowship it is communion so again don't get this uh, this idea that they just gave some money no when we give when we help in the gospel work no matter it is in the money form no matter it is uh, using our gifts no matter using it our time our energy whatever god has given you if you use it for the gospel it is equal to koinonia it is equal to fellowship partnership in the gospel that's why paul could say to philippian church you have partner with me the gospel and i, I don't think philippian church uh, went with paul in the missionary journey it's not they didn't go but they supported the mission and when we support we are giving it not for pastor or a church or or some mission or organization we are give it to god and the gospel work and when we do that it's our delight and we ought to do that because we owe that's what paul says in verse 27 like they were pleased and when he go to 27 he says they were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them why they owe it to them in the context policing for if the gentiles have shared in the jew spiritual blessing they owe it to the jews to share with their material blessing so what paul is saying is that in, again this is the argument from chapter 9 10 11 where paul is saying that for some time a god is not uh, dealing with the jews and and their unbelief has brought the opportunity that the gentiles will believe and the and the branches have been grafted in 
So, so if the Gentiles have shared in the spiritual blessing with the Jews, that is the gospel, right? That's the gospel that gospel has uh, gone out for Gentiles and actually it belongs to Jews, but it go, has gone forth to Gentiles because a, a Jews rejected the Messiah and the Gentiles are part of the gospel. So if they have shared in the gospel, in the spiritual in the spiritual realm, they are owed, they owe because of the gospel to help these brothers who are Jewish Christians materially. That's what Paul means that. They owe it. And as Christians, as we are members of the same church, as we are members of the same body, if the hand is suffering, if the other parts of the body are not feeling pain, then we have lost the metaphor. If you just remember, as in one church, if, if somebody is going through hard times, if somebody, uh, if somebody is not active in the church, if somebody is not, is not functioning as he ought to, if your hand is paralyzed, I don't think uh, our body will not feel pain. It still feels pain. That's why we have membership in the church where we covenant to each other. That's why if somebody is spiritually lagging, we, we correct each other. Why? Even though for some time that, that believer will not understand, that believer will take Oh, this church is actually hating me. No, we are caring for your soul. Church discipline. And when somebody goes to financial crisis, this is the right time. As, as this pandemic has, uh, you know, has, has totally changed everything. Unusual times where people are not working. Some people, some families are not able to sustain because of six months of, uh, uh, no, bedriddenness and, 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 and they're present in home because of the situation. We as believers have to have that gospel love. A call will do it. Hi, brother. How are you doing? How are things going with you? How are your children? Is everything fine? Do you have enough groceries? This is the gospel love. Now, now not necessarily we should do like this, uh, like this Eastern church sending help to Western church. But within our church, how is the gospel looking like? How is the gospel life portrayed in the six months? Uh, have we ever thought, how is my brother who is a member, a part of the body, is doing spiritually? Six months he did not uh, come to church. Are we longing from inside? How is his brother doing physically? How is his brother doing spiritually? Let me call him. Is the gospel loving us? And we are obligated. Don't ever get this idea that that's my choice. No, we are obligated for each other because we belong to each other. The hand cannot say to the leg, I am not obligated to you because I'm not a part. You're downside, I'm upside. No, we are one, we are one body in a local church. But parts are different, but we all function differently, but there's only one body. This gospel law, which Paul is trying to show from the other churches and he's trying to drive his point like, Hey, in this church, I see that there's contention. There's no one another minister in this church. Listen to this example of uh, these churches, these Greek churches sending their help to these poor saints in Jerusalem. How does the gospel look like, gospel life look like in your church? How is gospel driving your life to care for each other? How, 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 how has the gospel changed you? As I told you, that the gospel-driven life is pleased to be a part in the gospel work. Are you pleased or are you doing it out of duty? Again, just because it is our delight, that does not mean it is not our duty. It is our duty too. We are obligated to care for each other. And from where does this obligation come? From the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel produces it in our heart. Again, it is not something uh, we can act, we can put on, it is, it is inherent. God has given us a new heart when we are regenerated. He's dead. We, are de we were dead in sin and Christ gave a new heart. That is why we could love one another. Otherwise, in our own strength, we could never love each other. We were wretched sinners who hated God, who hated our own brothers. But the gospel has given us a new heart. And this heart... And this gospel produces every day when we listen to the gospel, when we meditate on the gospel, when we ponder on the gospel, it produces in us a mutual love, a mutual ministry. The, the spirit creates a bound in us. 
and it is not inherent in us. It is the grace and the power of the God. How is it looking in our lives in this pandemic, especially as we are, as our churches are going through uh, a lot of unusual times, as we could not uh, meet uh, together for around six to seven months? How is the gospel uh, showing forth our life? Are we showing any mutual concern for each other? And after that, are we showing concern for our neighbors? Because the gospel drives you. That's the point of Paul. That's, that's my first point. A gospel-driven life is, part, is pleased, again, to be a part in the gospel. Then, then, he's, and then he says that, so after I have completed this work, he was already on his way to take this amount of money and to go to, the, uh, and to, go to Jerusalem. And he says, after, after I have finished this task, and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. Again, his plan to visit the church at Rome was still future. And verse 29, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. Even though Paul was not a pastor of this church, even though he was not the founder of the church, he still has his gospel bound with this people. So I will come with full measure of the blessing of Christ. What a pastoral tone. He was not coming as to... Uh, Hurt them or judge them, but to see their spiritual well-being is full of the measure of the blessing of Christ. It's a pastoral tone over there. Then my second point in verse from verse 30 to 33, Paul is, has given them an example of this uh, uh, of this Greek church. Now he says to them, uh, "You you cannot part. You cannot. You no need to give the money. But how can you be help for me in the gospel work?" Second point. A gospel-driven life persistently partners in praying for the gospel. Prayer is very important. It is not always our, uh, we will not always be in the gospel field working or contributing for the gospel work, using our uh, no gifts, but we, will, we can always be in prayer for the gospel work. That's what Paul says. I urge you, brothers and sisters, I, I, I exhort you, by not by my own authority, by Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. The urge was coming by, uh, uh, through two mediums. One is by the by Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. He's telling you, Pastor, you join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. He's saying that you also can partner me in the gospel work. How can you? I mean, uh, uh, Rome, uh, the church at Rome might be saying that Oh, we are very far, and you have already taken the contribution and going. How can we be a part? After hearing this example, they wanted to be a part, maybe, of this gospel work, of this partnership in the gospel. And Paul was saying, yes, you can be. How can you be? You, you, you just pray for me. You just pray for me, because prayer is the basis. It all starts before we could uh, use our resources uh, and our gifts for the gospel work. We have to have that deep desire in our heart, and that starts with prayer. The word over here for prayer, by, uh, in my struggle, by praying to God for me, the word prayer over here is only used once or twice in the New Testament. And it can be, it, it is the same word which uh, in the book of Genesis, when Jacob wrestled with God. So this is not mere, uh, mere prayer, what we do. God, God please, uh, God, please uh, save the people. And just me, we just utter this formula of prayer. It is not that. This prayer has worked. This prayer has toil. This prayer has some actions. This prayer uh, needs time, energy, patience. As as that uh, as Jacob was wrestling with God for the blessing. That is the idea. That uh, Paul saying, you you join me with the struggle. I'm struggling here for the gospel. You join me. The church should join. And if you cannot, uh, if you cannot, if you're not able to join, maybe physically, maybe in contribution, maybe uh, using your gifts, it's, you all should join in one way. How is that? By praying to God for me. By joining in the, in the work of the gospel. The pastor is not alone involved in the gospel work. Every believer, again I told, there is no non-active member. Let us remove that notion from our mind. We don't come to church just to consume. That is a worldly philosophy. That's very, that's very Indian. That, that's what in clubs they go. I consume, I enjoy, and I go out. 
when we come to church, let me tell you one thing. Because of our consumerism ideology and, and the culture which says, uh, you just consume, you're here just to consume. Churches have been expected and seen that I have no part in the gospel. It is pastor who alone will do it. It is those guys who are qualified to do it. It is those uh, white-collar believers who should have the burden to do it. No, no, no. We all should have the burden for the gospel. We all should uh, involve in the gospel. We all should partake in the gospel. And how is that possible? Prayer is one of the ways. And prayer is the most fundamental way where we can start our um, passion for the gospel. Paul is saying you pray. So a gospel, a gospel-driven uh, life persistently partners in prayer for the gospel work. Roman church might be thinking, you already have given the money. How can we be a partner? Paul is saying, you pray. You pray. You, you continue. You continue to pray. You, you partner with me. You join with me. You fellowship with me to prayer. You pray that as I go there, and he gives the reason for what should they pray. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take. So two, two reasons. Two, two requests. One is, I may be kept safe from the unbelievers. Is Paul uh, afraid of his life? No, Paul was not afraid. There was a reason why he wanted to be safe. He, it was so that he could, he could continue his gospel ministry. Because when you look from chapter 9, from his conversion, till chapter 25, everywhere he went, Jews persecuted him so much. He went to synagogue, uh, the book of Acts says that, and Jewish state are right, and they were trying to kill him. And so throughout the book of Acts, they were trying to kill him. That's why in Jerusalem, when he went there, they, they tried to kill him. And Paul knew that, that uh, I need prayers of the believers to be kept safe. The sovereignty of God and human responsibility work together. They work together. One cannot, one cannot compromise one for other, other. They work together. As believers, we have to partner uh, in the bound of the gospel. We have to pray. And, uh, and Paul is saying, I may be kept safe in Judea. And the contribution, and second, he's saying that, and the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there. He also is saying that when I go there, help them to uh, you know, pray that they, they will receive this contribution with whole heart and they would understand the gospel love of these Greek churches. Even for that, we need prayer. So prayer is fundamental in the gospel work. If, if you think that I don't have any gift, if you think that how I can be, how I can be useful in the gospel, how I can partner in the gospel, how I can join with these believers who are going forth to share the gospel. Let me tell you one thing. Maybe you have never prayed for it. Maybe your desire is not in your heart. If the desire is in your, not your heart, it will never come out. Prayer. We have to be Persistently praying that God use me for the gospel. Use me for your kingdom. Use me for the gospel work. How does it start? It starts with prayer. And the church of Rome uh, did, could not uh, join with, uh, in the contribution. But they could join Paul in the gospel work by praying. By praying. I, our, our, our whole life should be driven by gospel. Our prayer, our actions, our choices, our use of uh, finances, our our our, uh, our shepherding of children, our raising of children, the school which they go, everything should be gospel-centered if we understand that the gospel is not just a message which we believe and we forget. Gospel is not something we graduate from. Gospel is something in which we grow day by day. And prayer is one of the uh, fundamental things what we can do. And verse 32, so that I may come to you with joy. Paul, Paul is longing to visit the church of, at Rome uh, with joy. And he, and he says, I need your prayers. I, if I want to be, uh, I, if I want to do some gospel work in your, in your place, I need your prayers. That when I go to Jerusalem, I should be kept safe from the Judea unbelievers. And also that the, and also that the church in Jerusalem might receive This off might receive offering uh, with uh, with uh, with genuineness, and he says so that when you pray and when these two things uh, are fulfilled, so that I may. Uh, Paul is saying that 
uh, I want this to be God's will, not my mere concern. I want uh, to be this God's will, not my mere concern. I want to be this God's will. And in your company, very fresh. Again, uh, the word refresh is not mentioning uh, just a matter of vacation. No. Paul is not trying to be in vacation. Paul is saying, I want to be a partner. I want to be fellowship. I want to be refreshed by hearing testimonies, what the Lord is doing, how the gospel has changed life in Rome. That is what Paul is saying by refreshed. He wants to be refreshed, like how the gospel has also affected the west part of that uh, place. That's what the word refreshed means. The God of peace be with you all. The God who gives all peace be with you all. Amen. And that's how he concludes. What did we learn from this passage and how does it apply to us? We have seen that this church, Paul says that uh, there, were, there were Jews, there were Gentiles, and both are sinners in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. How Lord saved them through faith alone. And he gives example of Abraham, David, and then he tells how you can be sanctified. Then from chapter 9, how the Lord's sovereignty is there. Then he says how you should act out. And he gives one another minutes in chapter 12, chapter 13, how we should behave with unbelief. Chapter 14, he says, no, you have to use a liberty. No, be gospel-minded. Don't think about yourself. Don't be selfish. Sacrificial. Chapter 15, he tells them that uh, how the Gentiles also are included. And then he tells to the church, I know that there are some Jews, there are some Gentiles. And then he, in chapter 15, he tells that how does a gospel life look like? First, we have seen that a gospel-driven life is pleased to be part in the gospel work. And we have seen how the churches have uh, contributed, how they have, com com how they have com communioned by sharing their uh, stuff with these people. And, and if you cannot, if you cannot uh, be involved in this form of the gospel, pray, but be always uh, uh, reminded that you are not out of the gospel work. You are in the gospel work seven days of, your, of the week. You are in the gospel work. May God help us to understand the power of the gospel. May God help us to understand that how does the gospel change life in and out. And, and the gospel is not simply some knowledge, it will act forth. And Paul is saying to the Corinthians, uh, for the Roman church, how these Corinthians and Greece and Macedonian and Achaeans have contributed. You also can involve prayer. And you also can involve in your own church first. Remove those contentions. Fulfill one another ministry. In this pandemic, uh, we ought to be reminded that we need each other's help. The church is uh, different people from different types, different tongues, praising the same God, changed by the same gospel, coming from the same path that is dead in sin. The gospel changes everything. Are we living a gospel-driven life? How is our life uh, striving to sound for the gospel? How is our life trying to partner with the gospel? Remember again, there, uh, I don't believe the, uh, the Bible teaches that there are only few people who, who should be involved in gospel work. Every one of us should use our gifts, our, uh, our resources for the sake of the gospel. The gospel changes everything. And there are, few pe and there are many people who doesn't have that. And that is the mission of a local church. May God help us to uh, fulfill this mission through our life. Yeah. May God bless you. Thank you. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word brings life. We thank you uh, for the word of God that showed us this morning, Lord, that how uh, that we shouldn't be forced or just by duty alone or uh, all these external forces love you and love your people but that you give us desires, that you give us, uh, that you change our hearts, you remove our heart of stone and you give us a heart of flesh, O oh Lord. We thank you that through the work of cross, through what Christ has done, through his work of salvation upon our hearts, that we are able to do this, O oh Lord. And so, Lord, I pray for us as a church. We pray, God, that uh, would you mold our hearts to love you more, to love your people more, uh, not just with our words, but with our actions, O oh God especially in this time when we are not able to see each other, meet each other, when people are struggling through hardships. 
Help us as a church to reach out to each other, God. Convict our hearts. Let us not enjoy our times in case we're doing well. Let us not be so full in ourselves where we enjoy while others in our churches uh, struggle and go through hardships a lot. Um, help us to reach out to each other. Help us to bless one another, love one another. Not because just out of duty or not just because your word says or not because of other things a lot, though those things are good, but because you have called us to do it a lot. Give us such a desire in our heart. Convict our heart if we are not doing this. Convict our, convict our hearts if we've just been living for ourselves, if our, our life of Christianity is just revolved around our work and our own lives and our own selves. Um, let us come to you, O oh God, and uh, desire a change of heart. Desire a heart like what Paul has set forth here the, uh, in the church, Lord, like the church in um, Macedonia and Arctia. Though they were Gentiles, loved their Jewish brothers, even to the extent of even a different location, a different country. Help us to do it within our local churches. Help us to even do it within our families. If we are the same family, but we are not loving each other, if uh, we are not caring for the needs of one another within our family, convict our hearts. May, may the work of the cross um, be evident in our actions. May the fruits of that which produce a true Christian be evident in our lives. May our claims of our be, us being a Christian be evident in our lives, O oh Lord. And so, Lord, we pray that this would be the prayer of our church. Would you mold us and make us more like Christ? Would we reflect Christ? Uh, would we love one another like you have commanded us so that the world may know that we truly are your disciples, O oh Lord? And so, Lord, as we heard your word, let your word convict our hearts this morning. May I, I pray that your word would also give us the strength to walk in righteousness, walk in holiness, walk in uh, the command that you've given us to love one another, to care for one another, to provide for one another, and especially within the local church to be there for one another, O oh God. And we pray that those evidence of your work in our hearts will be evident, Lord, in this week to come, Lord. Let this be something that reminds us. Let us not be something that we come on a Sunday morning listen and forget and go away. Let this be something that convicts our hearts through the weeks. I pray that uh, just as uh, Regan brought, told us from the word that the prayer that we have to do is not just a mutual utterance of words, but uh, a more groaning of the heart, a more longing of the heart, an outward expression of the heart. I pray God that our prayer would be a walk, not just with mere words. Our prayer would be active, uh, participation in what we do a lot. And I pray that in every decisions we make, in every course that we take in life, uh, may your word convict us and may we be aligned to the gospel of truth by which we proclaim a lot. And we pray, Lord, in all of this, may you receive the glory, may you receive the praise, and may you be the center that we will not boast of ourselves because nothing in ourselves can do this. Only you can uh, make us do this. Only you can change our hearts. And so, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would be a church that truly reflects Christ to people, that truly loves their people, that truly loves people within the families as well. And so help us to be open also to the needs of others. Hear our spiritual affections for you and for your people that we may not be numb to the needs that we need to grow in you or numb to the needs of your people around us. And so stir our affections. Let us be affectionate to you and to the people around us, O Lord. And Lord, we pray all of this and ask this in the name of Jesus. In your name we ask this prayer. Amen.